0: I want to welcome you to the house of the Lord tonight. Those that are joining us online, welcome online as well. We, we just want to finish up the book of Proverbs. Notice we just did three sessions in the book of Proverbs. Do not think that we've exhausted the book. And again, I just want to say to you that one going or one passing over of a book just means that we've scratched the surface. And so even in your own studies, as you read and study, just know that we just, we're just scratching the surface when it comes to all that God has for us. Tonight, what I want to show you is, um, it's a real heavy section of the book. It's really the bulk of the book, uh, chapter 10 all the way to 31. I want to give you some practical wisdom. So the writer is just going to, it's like you're sitting on a couch, and he's just telling you, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. If this happens, here's what you need to do. And there's so much, it's impossible to exhaust this. So believe it or not, I've only chosen about 25 quick sayings, and you'll see. What you're going to find tonight is these truths can also be found everywhere. So you can find some of these truths in other religions. You can find them in your workplace. You can find them in your families because they're universal principles. And one of the things I said a long time ago is, There's only one or there are only one set of principles that exist in the world. The only distinction is the user. So please know that there's only one set of principles that exist in the world. The distinction comes in the user and the intent behind its use. In other words, who's using it and who gets the glory out of its use. So don't be surprised if you come across something at your job and then it's Proverbs 10 verse 12 in a roundabout way, and you said, well, I didn't know the scriptures were here. There's only one set of principles. If you need a reference for that, Psalm 19 talks about the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth day unto night. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not not heard. So what we'll do tonight is we're going to just look at some... uh, No, this is not the one. So we want to look at wisdom's practicality. So quickly just make a shift on that. You got it? Thank you so much. That's the one. Chapters 10 to 31. Let's break, break a little bit of the ice. Um, you want to run to the mic and tell me if you've got a favorite proverb and what it means to you? If there's a proverb that just stands out in your mind, it's something you live by, swear by. Anyone have a favorite? Even online, you can write something in the chat. There's a, a favorite proverb that you live by. And, and there's so many of them I'll tell you so get to get it started watch he that hath friends must first show himself friendly you give out what you want to receive anyone want to give it a try we're just trying to break the ice get your intellectual juices working again don't leave me stranded now I'm alive on <laughs> thank you my son and friend and brother and colleague <laughs> uh proverbs 10 and 22 the blessings of the lord make it rich yes and he added no sorrow. why do you like that one you, you all remember that one you know for the longest time i didn't know that that was in the book of proverbs the blessing of the lord don't go yet tell us why you like it the blessing of the lord it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow why do you like that i, I like it because it's all encompassing okay i think when you first read it you think he's talking about money but he's really talking about life yeah. in general so once you're blessed, your life is rich, your mm-hmm. life is full, your life is complete, mm-hmm. and there is no sorrow. How, no, how do you, just, no just for, we're just talking, how do you interpret sorrow that comes into one's life? Because sometimes there are things that make well, us sorrowful. Well, in this context, I, because, because of the way I see rich as being full, mm-hmm. I also see sorrow as lack of struggle or lack of strife. Or even the end thereof. Because sometimes, yeah, there might be some, something to get you there. But always know that at the end of the day, there will be no ill feeling about what I like what that. Kind them. of like weeping endures for a night. But joy, comes, joy comes in the morning. I like that. Proverbs 10.22. Anyone else before I just get, get it going? Charles, you got a favorite? And then Vivine over here. A favorite proverb that you live by. You got one, Joel, that you live by? Give us that one here. So Proverbs 4.7. Wisdom is the principal thing. In all that I get and get understanding. Why do you like that one? Proverbs, that? He said Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Why do you like that? I like the second part. Because of in all that I get it's not just the Bible. Whatever you're involved in, go for understanding for it. Doesn't matter if you're, if you're driving the bus, understand how to drive the bus. Yeah. All-encompassing truth. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. How practical these are. David's over there. Vivine, what do you like? And his faith without works is dead. Okay. Show me your faith and show me your works. How do you get that in Proverbs though? Oh, it's Proverbs. Oh, you're just giving me your favorite scripture. scripture. I'm okay with that. That's okay. I'm okay. There's wisdom in that, right? That if you say you believe something, show me your actions. Show me your actions. I'll give you you a little bit of homework. See if you can find a similar truth to that in the book of Proverbs. Okay, in Proverbs. So what you're saying there is if you believe something, your actions would reflect that. See if you can find, or anyone can help her. See if you can find a proverb that seems to intimate that that if you believe something, your actions also demonstrate what you believe. That's James chapter two. Awesome, thank you for that, David. My favorite verse is Proverbs 20 verse 27. And it says, the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord searching the innermost part of his soul. Okay, why do you like that? The reason why I like it is that um, it's a reflection of who I am because my spirit is what he uses as a candle to search my innermost being. Okay, I like that. That's yeah. very nice. So, that's what I live by that. I like that. You can actually find a parallel to that in First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, haven't entered the heart, the mind, all those things, but God has revealed those things to us by his spirit so he places those things in that part of who you are it's an awesome scripture your spirit by the way is your holy of holies it's the deepest place in your being it's where god sits as king before he moves into your soul and gives you bread and incense and candlelight thank you so much david robert from online proverbs 16 9 Sixty-nine. Yes, please. Sixteen. Did they say what it says? Yeah, a man's heart plans his way, but the laws directs his steps. Okay. <laughs> Everyone knows this to be true, right? In your heart you devise all the things you want to do, but ultimately you're praying that it's God that directs. Excellent. There's another one in there? Yes, there's another one. Proverbs nine ten. And nine ten, Proverbs yes. nine ten. Yes. Yes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Beautiful. And last one is Proverbs four twenty-three. Proverbs four twenty-three. Beautiful. Keep and guard your heart because all the children of life come out of it. That's beautiful. Okay. Proverbs three, five and six. What does that say? Um, I have trust to in the <laughs> Lord with all your heart. heart.
1: Lean, Lean on not on to your own
0: understanding, own, but in all your ways, struggle to acknowledge him, <laughs> and he will direct your path. That's a beautiful one. Thank you, Robert. Awesome. Did you want oh he took yours? <laughs> The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. So you could have said yours too because that's what Pastor Val said. But why do you like that? What, what does it speak to you about? Joel, are you going to come and give us one? Please come. Yeah. Okay, I like this because it says when the Lord blesses you, there's no pain in it. There's no attachments that are going to discomfort can you. Can you be blessed and poor? Yes. Tell, explain. I believe that. I believe that He can bless anybody. Because when we are born, we are poor. All of us are poor. To be where we are is because the Lord has blessed us. Okay. So he can bless anybody. Okay. So like, like Val, you see rich transcending just money. Yes. You see holistically. Life, health, everything. Okay. I like it. Thank you. I'm over on this side before Joel. Rima? All right. So mine is Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. In other words, we need answers from God. <laughs> Thank you. That's beautiful. What does it mean so much to you, if you don't mind? Because I know what it feels like to wait and to lose hope, but I also know what it looks like to, when God comes through and it mm. just keeps flowing. She said she knows what it's like to wait. How many people know what it's like to wait <laughs> and that feeling of waiting? And then when the answer comes, it's like something has just blossomed. That's beautiful, Joel. Uh, I would say Proverbs seven, verse two. Okay, what does that say? Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. Obey God and live, and the focus of your eye should be what God has told us to do. That's right. Why? What does that mean? What does that? Why do you like that? um i like it because it um it's a guide on how to the key word there is live okay um i i there's a part in deuteronomy that talks about you know behold i have put before you (laughs) life and death and um this is a major key on how to live okay disobedience equals death that's right i like it thank you i'll do a few more there's two here and two here and then we'll stop we'll do four we'll go one two three four What's your favorite proverb or one that you live by? I just just lost it. It's in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3. 11, verse 3? Yeah, it says, Integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Why do you like it? I like the first part of it because when you're you're a person of integrity, you're always going to want to do the right thing, and you're always going to want to walk according to the word of God. What's your definition of integrity when you think of that word? What does that mean to you? Hmm? Character. Character. Yeah. Okay. Someone who has character. Yes. That guides them. Yes. I like it. Thank you. You're um, mine is from Proverbs thirty-one thirty. Favorite. is vain, but a woman that <laughs> feareth the Lord she shall be praised. Why do you like that? I like it because we live in a world where everything is physical and beauty is physical but really what matters to the core is your soul and that you fear the lord that you reverence the lord and that that is what brings you your glory and your praise okay. how many men in this room think beauty is vain <laughs> <laughs> most men don't agree with the scripture <laughs> most men will say beauty counts for something <laughs> Beautiful scripture, by the way. I like that. What you're really saying is, it's not what's on the outside that really matters. What's on the inside. Beautiful. I'm going to go back over here, then I'll come over here. Did she take your proverb? She did. did. I could just, add on. Okay, get another one. We'll come right here. Yeah, um, my favorite Uh proverb, and one that I seriously live by, is um, 18 verse 21. So I'm just reading from the NIV version. 18, 21. Yeah, I'm reading from the NIV version. Yeah, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat, the fruit thereof yeah so i seriously live by that because i feel yeah. like a lot of people don't really understand how much power is in the words and as somebody that has lived firsthand of that right i think it's extremely important that we speak love life and positivity right. at all times because literally yes. like i don't think people understand like how much talking about something can control mm-hmm. the situation or just how much power words have so exactly. that's why like i seriously live by this proverb so yeah. i like that words matter right And when she said that all these scriptures start going through her mind out of the abundance of the heart mouth begins to speak you shall have what you say when we were growing up i'll come to you phoebe the children always make these little statements not true they said sticks and stones but words will never and most people in life have been damaged by words and that's very powerful because in in a lot of cases we've been healed from the sticks and stones It's the lingering effect of what people have spoken into our lives that's really damaged us. Thank you for that, by the way. We'll do here, and we'll stop here. So for me, it's the entire Proverbs 31. Like the whole book. The entire thing. I don't think Jabal could put the whole book up. (laughs) And and just the simple reasons why. I mean, I've been with my husband for 40 years. Nice. And I try to live my life by this to be this type of wife. And that's all there is to it. So it's really for you. Thirty-one is really all of your focus. All of thirty-one. my children. Beautiful. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Phoebe. And we'll finish here. Mine is Proverbs fourteen twenty-three. Fourteen twenty-three. All artworks bring a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. <laughs> Why do you like this? Because there's a lot of people who talk, but that's doesn't actually make, say anything. Yeah. And when you keep talking and you don't put action with your words, nothing get accomplished. Beautiful. Everyone knows what that word penury means, right? It's just another word for poverty, being broke, lack. And so you see, talk is cheap. <laughs> All right, excellent guys, just beautiful. Listen, let's go into this. I'm gonna try to give you 25 in about 30 minutes or so. Take them down and I'll make one correction when we get there. I did a, it was an error in my mind. I did, I missed it. So when we get there, I'll, I'll share some things. Please note this, what's contained in 20 or 10 to 31, we can't exhaust it in one 30 minute setting. And I would even encourage you when you read the book even one setting, two, three, four times, you haven't exhausted. All right, we're constantly learning as the scriptures line up on line, precept upon precept. So here's what practical wisdom says. Here's the first one, very practical: integrity. And notice you brought up some of these tonight. Integrity and diligence leads to success. So that's the equation for success. Now, here's what's interesting. Do you notice in Solomon's mind, he leaves out prayer? Did you notice that? And I don't think it's because he's against prayer, but what he wants to emphasize is after you've prayed, you have to have character and you have to be diligent. You've got to be consistent to get results. So what we don't want to do, especially as believers, because spiritual things can make us lazy. So somebody says worship and it'll happen for you. Pray it will happen. That's true, but there's some more things we need to add and Vivine, here's where your scripture comes in. Faith, this is the works part here now, right? I'm going to be a person of character and diligence. Here's the text so you can see. He that becometh poor because he deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. And whatever you're going to do, in whatever you're going to do, whether that's something for God in the sanctuary, something for God in the field, when you are diligent, there will be results. Number two, love others when they fall. Very practical. When people make mistakes around us, our first response should be to love them. Very, very practical. Doesn't mean that you're not going to correct, and I'll show you the correction scriptures after. But the first motion of a believer when someone falls is to love them. All right, And then we'll show you what the other motions are. And if I'm going too fast, let me know. Watch. Hatred is what stirs up strife. But what does love do? Spreads a blanket, covers, it makes atonement, it hides, it conceals until there can be healing. 17 verse 17 says it like this a friend loves how often what's the problem with the brother (laughs) so there are levels to relationship we want to graduate from being brothers and sisters to where do we want to go we want to become friends do you know that friendship is higher than brotherhood you know that right friendship is higher than brotherhood you know that from genesis 4 Cain kills Abel is Abel not his brother (laughs) They weren't friends. And so when Jesus talks to his disciples, after spending time with him, he says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. That's the highest level of relationship that I've seen in the scriptures. Number three, seek for faithful counselors. This is the advice piece. When you're looking for someone to give you advice, make sure the people giving you advice are faithful people make sure they're faithful on a horizontal plane they're faithful to you and they're also faithful on a vertical plane they're faithful to god so here he he kind of gives you a little bit of instruction don't take watch don't take advice from everyone and the reason why that's important watch here's here's it a talebearer revealeth secrets but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. Let's keep going. I like that. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So the advice that people give you, it should be a form of protection for you. It should never expose you and damage you in some way. So your counselors have to be faithful people can't take advice from every single person number four but we've talked about all of these practically be a giver in life watch don't be a giver in services and not a giver in life when you're a giver in life when you come in services you'll automatically give because that's who you are and you're a giver anywhere you find yourself in life just be a giver in life proverbs teaches us this is practical wisdom as often as i can Chapter 11, verse 24, there is that that scatters and it increases, but there's that that holds back. It leads to poverty. This is the one. And the liberal soul will be made fat. And if you water someone else's life, someone will water your life. Right? That's old covenant, correct? And when you go to Luke chapter 6, given it shall be given back to you. And shaken together. Just be a giver in life in every single way. Give your time freely. Give your energy. Give your creativity. If you have experience and wisdom, give it freely to someone else. It'll come back to you. I promise you that. It will come back to you. Number five, always look for ways to win people. I put Jesus there because <laughs> he's the one where we're trying to win people too. But the Bible is gonna tell us: He that wineth souls. So in other words, look for ways to proselytize, to evangelize. Remember I told you that some of these principles are in all religions? (laughs) So the Muslims are doing this, and the Hindus are doing this, and the Buddhists are doing this. Even the atheists are trying to pull people to their side. Always look for ways to win people to God. And then the Bible is going to refer to you and I as being wise. That would mean the counter to that is, Try not to turn people off from God. That's the work. Try not to offend people when it comes to this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And if anyone wins souls, they're wise. Number six, I'm trying to go as quickly as we can because there's quite a bit. Speak words that will last. So what I'm really trying to say, and you'll see the scripture in a minute, think about what you're going to say before you say it. And think about the longevity and the impact of what you're going to say. Will my words extend beyond this moment? What impact will they have? And so the writer's going to show you, think about what you say. I think it was my sister that came up there and said it, she quoted it. Notice how you all picked it up. The lip of truth shall be established forever but a lying tongue is but for a moment. See that? Truth, watch, truth is that that endures. (laughs) If you wait long enough for it, I promise you this, if you wait long enough, if someone has told a lie on you, just wait long enough. (laughs) Truth endures. Lies are just for season or a moment. So when you speak, make sure that your words have lasting impact And the way to do that is to make sure that you're speaking truth. And then you shall know the truth. And it's that that liberates people. Make sure your words last. I think my sister over there said, life and death, there it is. Power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Notice he didn't say, watch, he didn't say which fruit. Notice he said death and life. He didn't say which one. Both of them are fruits. So it depends on what you love. If you love death, that's what you're going to eat. That's what you're going to speak. That's what you're going to consume. If you love life, that's what you're going to eat. Consume because that's what you speak. And you decide. I decide what we want to eat. Number seven. I like this one. Choose excellence as a lifestyle. So here, strive to be the best best that you can at whatever it is that you're trying to do. So that means in your life, you've set standards, whether those be behavioral standards, vocational standards, intellectual standards, choose excellence as a lifestyle, presentational standards, because excellence is what it is to be like God. Watch what the Bible says in Proverbs twelve twenty six. Read this with me, everyone, so you can hear it. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, period. (laughs) Don't need the other part. We know about the way of the wicked. Notice, when you compare those who say they know God with those who say they don't know God, those who say they know God should always come out being 10 times better. True? That's what the Bible says, but sometimes in life that's not what we see. So this is the standard that we want to try to get to. When you have some time, Daniel chapter 1... What separates Daniel and the rest of those boys in Babylon when they're brought before the king after a period of testing through diet and what they consume, they're found to be 10 times better than all the astrologers and soothsayers in Babylon because the righteous are more excellent than their neighbor. And the reason why that is, it's because the righteous are the expression of an excellent God. When you hold that as a principle, that I express God in the world, you're constantly striving to better yourself. Here's the word, simple word. You're in constant improvement mode. Agreed? But then so is your company. (laughs) So is your workplace. Everyone's trying to improve, so excellence becomes almost like a global standard. If you're in the hotel industry, they're trying to raise the bar and tell you that excellence is in the details, luxury is in the details. Everyone is striving to be excellent. The body of Christ is not exempt as well. Can I go back there for a second? So then you you will see why I believe that when we're presenting for God, whatever it is musically, vocally, verbally, whatever it may be counts, that you present the best. And if we don't have the best, we spend time training, developing, and learning so that we can present the best. Do you agree with that? Just makes sense. Because you want to give people the best so they can consume the best. And that's that's what it is. I think that's part of what's missing in the evangelism in many ministries. We just sort of throw something on the plate and just send it out there, zing it out there, and say, eat it if you want to, however you want to and then we're frustrated at the fact that people don't want to consume it. Do you know that unbelievers, some of them have standards <laughs> of what they will listen to, what they will sit and waste their or spend their time on and sometimes those standards exceed what we sometimes in the church are giving to them and they say, well, I don't, I don't have time for that. Let me go and listen to a lecture down at U of T. Number eight, this is great, know when to speak Know when to be quiet. You have to learn that. You have to learn that. Know when to speak. You could even put know where to speak. You could even put know what to speak. But I've just put to know when to speak and when to be silent. So we're not always talking. Everything does not merit a response. And everyone does not merit a response. Ready? Proverbs 13 verse 3 He that keepeth his mouth keeps his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Yes. Chatterboxes. And then in verse number 17, watch. This I like. Even the fool, when he says nothing, people think he's wise. (laughs) So there's a wisdom in silence that we should learn at times depending on what, what room we're in and who we're before, that this speaks to, he that shutteth his lips is esteemed the man of understanding because silence sometimes is golden. Number nine. I like this one. Constantly step back and assess the people you're running with. Constantly assess your crew, your tribe, your group, your posse, your people, your boys, your girls. However you want to phrase it, constantly assess who you're running with. Because sometimes you might be trying to run ahead of a group that's actually pulling you back, and you don't know why you're not making headway. Iron does sharpen. He that is a companion of fools will become a fool. It's just automatic. So assess the people that you're running with, that I'm running with. Assess your associates. Do they match your aspirations? Do they match your vision? Do they match your dreams? Do they match where you're going in life? And a lot of, especially when you speak to younger people, they don't do this exercise. They simply run with the crowd for a variety of reasons, of course. But here's what Proverbs says in 1320. If you walk with wise men, it rubs off. That's all he's saying. Whoever you run with, it rubs off. If you're a companion of fools, where they're headed and what they're going to get, you're headed in that same direction and you're going to get that. Assess. Can I make a statement? As I get older, I realize, and I said this to myself just this week, my close associates, I can count them on one hand. They say, oh, no, no, no. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. And then I started realizing something about life. You're wired so uniquely that not everyone can walk with you. And not only can they not walk with you, not everyone can appreciate your wiring. So what you want, you want people that watch. They just don't tolerate you for the sake of relationship. They celebrate you because they've been assigned to be with you. Do you know that this, I won't labor this too much, but do you know that Jesus mirrors this in his ministry and though he chooses 12 men among the 12 there are three men that he runs with (laughs) and he calls them at critical times when he needs them so he has 12 men that he's walking with and he's mentoring discipling pouring but when it comes time for critical things things that require faith and support and celebration he calls peter James and John. The other nine have to just deal with it. And so when it's time to go to Jairus' house and he needs faith in the room, notice he needs something commensurate to what he's going to do. He puts everybody out of the room, brings Peter, James, and John, speaks to the little girl. What he needs, he brings into the room with him via his associates. You know the, the mountain of transfiguration. He's going up to the mountain. You would think that would be for all 12. And he calls Peter, James, and John. And when they go up to that mountain and he shows them the glory that's within him, Peter's response is what I like. Because when people see who you really are, they celebrate it. Those who are called to be with you, they're not intimidated by it. They're not insecure. They're not jealous. Peter said, watch, Master, it's good to be here. Do you want us to build some tabernacles for Moses and Elijah? That's how it really works. So you see that there are concentric circles to associations. And everyone, watch this, and people get offended. Everyone cannot be close to you. Because ultimately, they will be offended. (laughs) That statement, people get offended when they hear that. But after a while, you're no fun. But that's because you're not assigned to be with you. And when we start living our lives knowing that there are people assigned to be with us and we get to choose them they don't get to choose us all right so let's move on I want to labor that point number 10 wherever you're going in life every now and then stop and check the direction with scripture does it line up with scripture I'm heading in this direction so that I just got this incredible job being a topless dancer at the bar. <laughs> check it with scripture. <laughs> what the Lord. Did. <laughs> but waiting on the Lord now, I'm, you, you check that with scripture, and all of a sudden you find out that scripture is designed. There is a way that seems right, but you're constantly checking that direction with scripture. Because the path of the just does have a particular bent to it. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Always assess the way you're going with Scripture. Number 11, you said this, right? Talk less, do more. Talk less, do more. Over my tenure of life, I have found, I'm not insulting anyone, so please hear me. I have found that in the body of christ there are more people that do this and i found in the world at large it's inverted people work more talk less out there when you come to zion zion we talk more we do less and i think the reason for that is because of how we teach spirituality faith 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 belief 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 worship worship pray 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 but then we don't create that balance where after you prayed, you get up and you do what you can do whatever your hand finds to do Do it with all your might. And what you cannot do, faith will bring to you. Faith will not bring to you what you can do. (laughs) Works does that. And so we want to be a generation. And all you have to do here is just write the word balance. As much as you talk, balance it out with works. Does it make sense? That's all you're looking for in life is balance. If you talk a big talk, then work a big work. Fair enough? That just seems to me to be fair so we're not, never guilty of this proverbs 14:23 in all labor i think you even brought this out didn't you right there is profit but the talk of the lips it just tends to poverty here's something you can write watch match your words with your works that's all match your words with your works i am going to be the president of the united states and you say that at an altar in a worship service then from there on all your works should match those words i'm gonna i'm going to the nba you know i had that dream right when i was in high school and the the, the basketball coach said you need to go to the, the gym and lift weights. i said i don't want to lift weights i just want to play just give me the ball And then all of a sudden you realize there were guys lifting weights and they were stronger, faster, could jump higher than you. And though I love to play, I didn't match it with, with the works. So we want to talk and work at the same level. This one I like, number 12. Do what's right, not just because it's right, but do it for the world's sake. So when you're doing right, know that obviously you will benefit from it, but so will the world. And I found other places in Proverbs, and you will, Proverbs, where you will see this truth. When we do right, other people benefit from it. When we don't do right, other people are impacted by it. It's by the blessing of the righteous that the city is established. So watch, you all know this one very well, don't you? Righteousness, what does it do? It exalts an entire country. Sin is a reproach. It's a shame. It's degradation to any people. So you see, my actions, your actions, they they impact more than just me. They impact the entire nation. So you see, when you're doing right, you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for people that you can't even see. Do right for the world's sake, not just for yourself. Number 13, do you like this one? Don't allow greed to destroy you. So every person in this room has to measure, has to michael themselves to figure out what does greed really mean, because it doesn't mean the same for every person. So every person has to know that means you have to spend time with God to know where your limits are, and to make sure that you're not going beyond your limits. I saw this wonderful movie one time, it was a Bruce Lee movie, um, the recent one, something, Birth of the Dragon. And he was fighting the Shaolin, you can see I'm older guy, right? <laughs> it's fighting the Shaolin Wan Jack man. And they were fighting in this warehouse and then the Shaolin guy went up, up to the top and he said, You exceed your limits. And he jumped off. You would see the movie? jumped off, and he flew down to the bottom like he flew. And Bruce Lee went, and he looked up at him, and he said, and he realized I could do this as well. And the whole idea there is that we have limits, and we have to know what our limits are. My limits are not the same as yours. Yours are not the same as mine. This is why it's so important that you don't envy each other. Say, well, he has two cars, I should have two cars too. But maybe your limit is one car. Because <laughs> somewhere in there, God knows what takes you over and puts you in this category of greed. Avarice. I was thinking about something I was watching the other day. I watched these cooking shows. Um, and there's one cooking show. It's not even a cooking show. It's more of an eating show called Man vs. Food. So I'm saying to myself, look at this, we're actually entertaining ourselves with greed. And so everywhere he goes, there's this big challenge he's got to eat, like, let's say 16 hamburgers in three minutes, and he gets a t-shirt for eating it. And if he doesn't, he doesn't doesn't win the challenge. Well, the guy that's doing it now, he's the third host, because the first guy died. (laughs) What do you think killed him? So we're watching a show that's glorifying gluttony, and people are saying, eat that food, eat that food, drink that juice. <laughs> I said, this, this guy, he's going to die pretty soon. Greed. Here's what the Bible says in 1527. He that is greedy for gain troubles his own house. He that hateth gifts shall live. See that? It's control. One of the fruits of the spirit or the manifestation of the spirit is temperance. Temperance is self-control. It's knowing when you're full. Can't take any more in, I'm, I'm full. Don't allow greed to destroy you. Number 14, this is beautiful, more theological than anything. When you're in trouble, use the name of the Lord. Proverbs, before the Gospels came around, when you're in trouble, that's what the name of the Lord is revealed for. It's revealed for use. He that calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Proverbs will say it like this, which you all know and may not have even realized. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into that name. There they find safety. Not a literal running, but a using that name in times of crisis. All right? So know when to use it, know how to use it. It produces results. Number 15. I like this one. Everyone in this room has gifts or a gift from God. Everyone. And the Bible teaches, as a sign of wisdom, that we should learn how to rely on our gifts more than we rely on people. Because it is our gift that opens doors for us. Did you notice that? We tend to think people open doors. It's your gift that makes room for you. So number one, it starts with discovering your gift. Number two, it starts with cultivating, or it continues with cultivating, nurturing, and developing your gifts. And number three, using your gifts confidently. And all of a sudden, that gift begins to make room for you, and it brings you before great men. I think in the wisdom of God, He would not want you relying on people. See that? Sometimes people will try to sabotage you and on your way up, but He will tell us this. A beautiful scripture, a man's gift, and that could be a woman as well, makes room for them, brings them before great men. So when I discover what my gift is, I'm going to maximize my gift. I'm going to use my gift. I'm going to continue to develop and grow in my gift. And so everyone in this room, I pray and I hope that you know exactly what your giftings are. Whether they be one or many. What are your gifts? And if somebody were to ask you, you would say, this is my gift. And all the gifts of God are not found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So I want us to be broader than that. It about, I, I didn't see my, I don't have the gift of healing. I don't have the gift of teaching. I'm not, but those are spiritual gifts, so to speak, if you know what I mean, intended to be used to edify the body. But guess what? There's a whole world that is waiting on your gift to be edified. So if I'm going to watch, watch this, if I'm going to teach in a school, along with going to teachers college and all that, I should have the gift of teaching. See what I'm trying to tell you? It it doesn't matter where you are. You have to have a gift for doors to be open effectively for us. The challenge that we're faced with sometimes is that there are many people that do things simply because they want to be paid for that, not because they're gifted in that particular area. And then guess what? Whomever is consuming that service is the one that suffers. So if it's a little child sitting in a schoolroom before a teacher who just wants to be paid then the child suffers because that person does not have a gift to unlock certain things in that student. Could be the same thing in a pulpit. If it's just a pastor that just wants to feel like he or she is a leader and all of a sudden people that sit before that leader, they suffer because he or she does not have a gift and therefore cannot draw from the things that that gift would produce. Number 16, be careful. Notice I didn't say don't drink. Be careful with intoxicants. I personally don't drink. Not because I think if you drink, you're going to hell. Please. I don't believe that for one second. It's just not my thing. I've never thought that alcohol tasted good, period. That's just me. And there are others that think it tastes great. My mom was the one that turned me off because when I was younger, in the West Indies, anything that they were mixing, they would put alcohol in it. And they would actually make drinks with alcohol. My mom had a drink called stout. (laughs) Remember that one? Yes, I'm supposed to make it stout it's like a brown like a vowel that would be like a malt and she would mix that with oh and so i didn't like that and we had guinness you know guinness it made stout and then my dad he would call us my brother and i every saturday he would pour a little bit of beer in a cup and he would strong Jamaican make yeah, go, and make us drink it because he was teaching us how to be men I hated it. (laughs) So I thank God for that. I just, I don't have a taste for it. But here's the problem. In the body, though, we teach people that if they drink, all of a sudden God's displeased with them. I teach people that if you understand moderation in drink, God is fine. And so the writer will teach you this. Be careful with intoxicants. Do not let the drink control you, but be in control of the drink. I'll give you a really good scripture here. It's beautiful. Chapter 20, verse 1. You know this, right? Wine can laugh at you if it controls you. It will mock you. Strong drink will make you, it'll make you do things you didn't remember that you did. You remember you were there. <laughs> I remember I was there. And whoever is deceived by those intoxicants, they're not wise. So here's what Solomon says in a beautiful way. He says, who has woe? <laughs> Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who babbles all the time? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? (laughs) He's going to tell you who. (laughs) They that stay long at the wine. And those that love the mixing of drinks. See, it controls them. They don't control it. Number 17, avoid laziness. The King James word is sloth. Strive. And again, if you're in your lane working by your gift, it wakes you up. Challenges you. You're inspired to do what you do. To me, if you're not in your lane, if you're not doing what you want to do, it gives room for this where it's hard to get out of bed because you don't want to go to work you don't want to go to the job you don't want to do this anymore but here avoid laziness ready 20 verse 13 i've got a few don't love sleep (laughs) you're gonna come to poverty open your eyes (laughs) and you'll be satisfied with bread avoid laziness here's another one 22 13 in other words, when you're lazy, it leads to excuses that are not even real. You make up excuses. Do you know where I live from my workplace? You know how long it takes me to get here on the train? No longer than the guy in the cubicle next to you? Right? So this guy says, there's a lion outside. <laughs> Just happened to be outside my door and doesn't want to leave. And if I get out of bed and go out there, this lion's gonna tear me to pieces that's why I can't come in today <laughs> here's here's another interesting one 26 as the door turns on its hinges <laughs> that's how the slothful guy is in his bed here's he the alarm he says and he turns back over avoid laziness that's all I'm trying to say to you Jesus was incredible at this in fact When when we get there, we're going to study the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, the writer does this. He writes in such a way that you think Jesus doesn't sleep. The minute he's baptized, straightway he goes here. Immediately he's needed here. And on they want him here. Immediately he goes over here. And those are the words of Mark. Because he's a servant and he understands that his job is to get something done. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Number 18, when you pray as often as you can, remember those in authority. So it's not Timothy that will remind us through Paul. We're first told this in the book of Proverbs. Remember, even if they're not your party, (laughs) even if you didn't vote for them, but they happen to be in power, remember those in authority. If you know where it is in the book of, I think it's of 2 Timothy 2. Pray for kings and rulers and those in authority. But Solomon is going to tell us to pray. And the reason why we should pray for those in authority. 21 verse 1. Let me see if I got it. Let me go back to it. Do you have that? Could you find that for me? 21 verse 1. Uh, there it is. The king's heart is in the hand of God. So we have to believe that. Here's something I don't know if if we all truly believe. Whoever is in government, God has allowed it. For a variety of reasons, by the way. It could also be a reflection of the people. (laughs) But whoever is in government, whoever is in authority, it's God that sets up, God that takes down. There's a mystery to that because you said, no, we voted. But God, though we cast the lot, the decision is still God's. And in a lot of cases, he gives us leaders after our, (laughs) and at times the leader is a reflection of the country. But you know this, they're in God's hands. So when you pray for your leaders, you're asking God, turn the leader this way. Because as the rivers of water, God can turn the heart of Pharaoh in whatever direction he wants. Pray for your leaders someone can help me out, I think in 2 Timothy 2, Paul will emphasize that. Pray for those who are in authority, kings, that we may live a peaceable and godly life. Then he writes this verse, For it is the will of God that none should perish, but that all should be saved. Alright, so if, if you like the Prime Minister or don't like him, lift him up in prayer. If you agree with his policies, don't agree, lift him up in prayer. That's not political, that's spiritual. Right? The first thing the church should have done when they said john tory messed up we lift him up in prayer that's it and whoever's coming in after him we lift them up in prayer we're doing our job and we're being gatekeepers on a higher level can i also make another statement to this when the church prays for leadership the church is demonstrating that she is above leadership do you follow what i'm trying to show you that god responds ultimately to the one that he said in authority which is the church, and her job by praying for leaders is part of being a good steward or being salt and light. And of course, our civic duty is to vote when we have the chance. Number 19, consider how you think. Take a moment every now and then and reflect on how you're thinking, what goes through your head, your thoughts, whether those are good thoughts, healthy thoughts, how you think about me, how you think about the other person, how you think about husband, wife, children, friends, co-workers, consider your thoughts Because there you can see who you really are. As a man thinks, somewhere down in the appetite, that's where he is. And that's what he says. He's actually talking about a wicked person that don't eat and drink with him because whatever he's thinking, that's who he is. And though he's offering you a drink, his heart is not with you. Principle is whatever you're thinking, that's who you are. So if you look at your thoughts, you can see yourself and God is the same way John 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the thought logos word the thought was with God and the thought was God we're the same way you peel my thoughts back you will see who I am number 20 this is a good one Uh, I can't remember who was talking about hope and waiting but when you're going through adversity let it measure your strength that's what it's really designed for I've discovered that most, if not all, the adversity that we go through is not designed, Charles, to kill us. It's actually designed to test how strong we are. So you can measure your strength by how you handle adversity. That's all it is. So what it is, like banks, it's a stress test. That's all it is. We tend to think, because the enemy kind of deceives us, this is going to kill us. I'm going to die. And we've all gotten there where we're going through so much pressure. We think we're going to die. And God then reminds us this too, because it's a test. And there's no exam that I've written that is in perpetuity. There's a start to it. There's an end to it. And I want to maximize that time period to get the best results. Here's a beautiful scripture. It's one for your fridge, everyone. If you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. I've been there myself. So you don't have to feel guilty about it. It just means now the next time I'm going to use this to measure my strength. If you want a scripture, Psalm 118, I don't remember the verse, but when you're going through adversity, say this to yourself, I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. It's in Psalm 118. Maybe if you can just quickly give them that one uh, in a few minutes, we can, we can look at that as well. Number 21, we're almost home, guys. Doing great. This is Michelle Obama's theme just before Donald Trump's wife gave her the gift. (laughs) Do right when they do you wrong. She would say it like this when they go low, we go high. It's a principle. When they do you wrong, don't reciprocate. And Jesus teaches that, doesn't he? If they hit you on this side, what should you do? You said, punch them out. (laughs) before they get to the other side. But but here's what was difficult with that because during the days of slavery on to Jim Crow, blacks were really treated terribly in the states in the south, especially in the south. It was difficult for them to say now this this person's abusing me and you want me to turn the other cheek and because of this principle certain movements rose up that were critical to for instance King's nonviolent philosophy so that's, that's really where the black Muslims roll up and said, no, we're not turning no other cheek. Malcolm X said, you're a fool if you turn the other cheek. He's going to kill you. But the scripture says, watch, when people do you wrong, your job is to do them right. I can show you this in Proverbs 25, but if you go to Romans, I believe it's chapter 13, Paul writes to the church. He says, watch, if your enemy is thirsty, give him something Don't poison him. (laughs) Give him something to drink if he needs food, if he's naked. Because when you're doing that, you're heaping coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with, with good. So every one of us, we have to embrace that. Because the human tendency is to respond and defend ourselves. Here's what the book says. If your enemy is hungry, there, give him bread. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. You shall heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall then do what? This stems from the fact that you believe, I believe, ultimately, that God fights for us. You have to believe that. And at some point, whether in this life or the next, God rewards us. Number 22, three more to go and then we're home, guys. I like this one. I want everyone just to agree with me on this, that we will not practice. Don't harm others with gossip. Okay, all right. Amen. 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 Don't wound others' gossip. Simple truth. Don't harm them. The words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Don't harm each other with gossip. Remember we said last week, Proverbs 6, 16. This is what God hates. Maybe he hates it because of its ultimate effect. Once it's in the belly, watch, it then goes throughout the body. You see the mind of God. I don't know what, uh, there's a, I think it's a particular cancer, but once it gets here, it begins to metastasize and goes right throughout. So it is with gossip. It runs through the whole body. My philosophy is this. If you hear something negative about someone, say nothing more. It dies there. Because where there is no fire, or wood rather, the fire goes out. So it is where there's no tailbearer, strife comes to an end. We have to become masters of this because one of the jobs, I don't know if people really read their scriptures, one of the jobs of the enemy is to be an accuser of the brethren. But Satan is not in here with a blowhorn. So he has to find agents to do that. Hmm? So he finds people who are willing continue and engage in that act number 23 if you have a friend be a corrective friend if you're a friend of someone tell them that hat does not look good (laughs) if they ask you tell them tell them things like this your breath is not fresh because you're my friend that sounds harsh, doesn't it? But you're my friend. I'd rather me tell you that than someone know it and not say anything to you. When I was in high school we were in the cafeteria we were playing dominoes, having a good time, I had this big piece of, what would you call it, mucus in my nose. And nobody at the table said, hey, there's this big thing. And one of the girls said, hey, there's a big thing in your nose called a booger. And I said, okay. She said, better a friend tell you that than an enemy. This is one of the ways that you know that you have real friends that they're able to tell you things that you need to hear. Mm. Ready? Don't be a secret lover. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Open rebuke. You just have to learn. I have to learn how to say it so that it's received. And then it goes further. Watch this. I love this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend <laughs> but when the enemy kisses you it's because he's setting you up for crucifixion did i get it? did i get it in the gospel there you know jesus you know jesus said when 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 uh, judas kissed him he said because this is how he felt about him judas felt like a betrayer he was an enemy jesus didn't have a problem he said friend Why are you come? See the level he's at. Faithful are the wounds. When a friend hurts you, it's because they're trying to heal you. When when an enemy loves you, it's because they're trying to destroy you. Number 24, I like this one as well too. Strive to make those around you better. Make that your life journey. Anyone comes in your life, I'm going to make them better. So then the the basic text is iron sharpens iron. Not just going to make myself better, but I'm going to try to help as many people as I can along the way. If I can help somebody as I travel along, then my living shall not not be in vain. Strive to make those around you better. Mm -hmm. Bring them up. If you're going up, take them up. If they're willing to come. Iron sharpens iron. A man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Notice how often that word comes up there in the book of wisdom. Friend. And there are people in this room that need a friend. A friend to walk with. No wonder they wrote the song. Joel, I'm finished now. This is the last one. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer because He's a friend. The last one is when we pray this is it. You see if we can follow these 24 up to 25 and there's more when we pray we can ask God let the day come when we are really and truly in authority in the earth. Notice the path I took I went chapter by chapter as much as I could, and I told you that if we would do some of these things, it would be a pleasure for God to put us in seats of authority. He's not going to put us in authority for gossippers, talebearers, greedy. <laughs> He's not going to do those things. But here's the promise. Watch this promise. You're going to love this. Watch when the righteous are. T- watch when the righteous teach schools. When the righteous sit in government, when the righteous is at the head of entertainment, when the righteous own sports teams, (laughs) the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people go around every four years looking for someone else to vote in because they're mourning because the wrong people are in authority. When we go to the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, because with all his wisdom, he becomes very pessimistic in life. Maybe it's his journey, it's experience. And he said, there's an evil that I've seen under the sun. He said, it's a great evil. He said, I've seen servants walking. Sorry, I quoted it wrong. I've seen princes walking and I've seen servants riding. And what he says there is, there's an inversion. Those who should be in authority are not. And those who should not be in authority, they are. And whether you agree or not, that's what makes life very difficult. That's where you get the inequality and the injustice. I always dream, I said, you know, what? if if the world was right with God, we'd have to charge anyone for food. (laughs) It'd be a pleasure to bake the bread because that's my gift. Pleasure to bake it for you, you come and get it. That's it. We don't have to charge anyone for gas. It's my calling. That's what I do. But then you see how people are, and then we come to conclusions that maybe the top 10% of the people own all the wealth. The other 90% are struggling in the middle class and down. It's because the wrong people are in authority. We're, we're, we are human beings. Watch how foolish we are. We created inflation, it's killing us. <laughs> We set the price for food and we outprice people for, because the wrong people are in an authority and the right people are not in authority. Take my foolish advice. Remember those 24 things and if we can put a mastery on those things and really work at them, they're very practical. I believe that when we pray as a body, God will say, it's my pleasure to sit you in that seat. I can trust you there. Am I right? watch i can trust you joseph over egypt and you got to do whatever you want with that you got to decide what the egyptians do with that but it's my pleasure to sit you in charge of an entire nation that's what i want to see i want to see a day before i die when we look in the world you see righteous people at the helm of corporations and industries and institutions I I, I laugh at myself, I said, you've got an unrighteous police officer meeting out justice. I expect there to be problems in the police department because that guy is a sinner. (laughs) And when he captures a young black guy who doesn't look like, look like he's a sinner. He doesn't know. He, He doesn't even know how to handle that. What are you expecting? I expect there to be problems in government. I expect there to be problems in the educational system because that person is an unbeliever. I expect there to be challenges there and the people are going to mourn as long as we have this system. But if we would be people that are wise, God would put you, 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 me in places of authority. I'm finished for tonight. Thank you for listening. Let's take a few moments and let's ask God, not in some cliche way, ask him for practical wisdom. Tell him that you've grown up beyond theory now, that it's not just theoretical, that you're just going to talk. Sharon said, if we talk, we talk, it's not going to produce anything. But each and every day we want to live out these practical principles. I want to have control of my appetites. I want to make sure that I know my limits. I want to wake up and be ready to do the things that God has called me to do. I refuse to be lazy. In the name of Jesus, I will set a watch before my lips and I will guard the doors to my mouth. I'll be careful what I say about others. I will always do good to people and find ways to improve their lives. Then I shall be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. If you're watching online, take 30 seconds, whether you watch it live or in a rebroadcast, and ask God to give you this kind of wisdom. Everyone in the auditorium, Joel is playing. I I know where you are, Joel. My storage is empty. And I am available to God. Take a moment. Humble your spirits and souls. Prostrate before God. This is the kind of wisdom we desire, God. And we make ourselves available. Available. Pour into us wisdom. Make us wise in the earth. Flood our spirits with the wisdom of God. Let Christ be formed in us that hope we have of glory. In the name of Jesus. Beat our wills into conformity. In the name of Jesus control our appetites by the power of the Holy Ghost, give us the mind that thinks the way Jesus thinks, so that when the day comes, God, you will find us trustworthy to sit in seats of authority. I pray for the next generation that they would see us as examples of wisdom, of understanding and knowledge. In the name of Jesus, trench us with wisdom. Trench us with wisdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Hallelujah. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, rise to your feet, everyone. Thank you, Robert. Rise on your feet, everyone. Lift up your hands to God. Give me a little bit more, Joel. Let the atmosphere be filled. Lift up your hands, everyone. It's a make or break moment. I no longer want to be a fool or among the foolish, God. If I find myself among the foolish, it's because you set me there to be an example, to be a light, to be salt. I don't want to be named among the foolish. God Almighty, bless this house with wise men and women. Bless us with wise leaders over industries and institutions. If that's you, extend your hand that you sense God promoting you. Ah, your gift will speak for you. It will create platforms for you, not your social media site. Your gift and the wisdom of God will create platforms for you. Set you before great men. And when you speak, they will hear the wisdom of God. They will come from far to hear you like the queen of Sheba. They will leave your presence saying the half has not been told. I know of the wisdom of God that is in you in the name of Jesus for decisions that you need to make God give you wisdom God give you direction and understanding in the name of Jesus we receive God yes thank you Jesus we receive God in Jesus name and now nothing that you ask of God will be withheld from you in Jesus' name.